Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again for the 2019 season, former longtime football coach Mike Lockman. Mike, we're here again. It's great to be here. It's not quite the same as having the first day of practice as a coach, but this is kind of my thing now. It's a little, so. you know, at least we're inside and we're in the air conditioning. Yeah, so th that's true. About, right. We don't have to worry it's about been any, a hot uh, one. our conditioning or our, our hydration. Correct. Uh, can you, and if you can believe it, this is year number three uh, of us doing this. Yeah. So I, that's uh, doesn't seem like that long ago that we, we started. No, started it doesn't. It's been a lot of fun, though. Yeah. So this fall, we'll once again be recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, this week we're going to take a look at Division One, talk about some of the teams that we think will be teams to beat, uh, some of the top returning players this season. As always, you can send us your questions and feedback by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, you can listen to the show every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, and before we get started, I want to mention, uh, for those of you who are visiting the site for the first time since the spring or since last football season, uh, we've got new membership options. Uh, th for the first time this fall, we'll be offering a special football membership. And by signing up for this membership, you not only get access to all football stories from throughout the year, but you also get a copy of the football preview magazine and the football yearbook. And by signing up, uh, you guarantee that your team will get coverage for the 2019 season because it's, you know, those are the people I know are, you know, interested and, and want to read about what's going on. So, I mean, those are kind of the kind of the, the teams we cover first, you know, the the ones who sign up for memberships. Yep. Uh, you know, for more information, uh, go to nh-highschoolsports.com and click on the membership tab at the top of the page. Okay, now that that's out of the way, it's time to time to have some fun. I guess so. Uh, you know, it. it I, th I think every year we go into this, and um, you know, especially in Division One, you know, under the new format uh, with the the four conferences in the division, you know, I think. The first couple of years, it was going to be like, okay, well, this team's matching up with this team for the first time. And I think now, I mean, we're into year six of this, I yeah. believe. Um, you know, we've seen these teams. This will now be the final uh, second meeting for, for the crossover. You have the North Conference crossing over with the South this year uh, for the first time since 2016 and second time overall. And then the, the East and the Earth. Do I have that backwards? Or do I have that? No, I think I'm off by year. This is actually, I think, the third time. Is it? Yeah, so this is actually seven years. 2013, East and West played, North and South played. Yes, And then 2016 and 2019, because I can do math. Yeah, well, that's, that's more than I can say. But I do remember uh, it was 2013. Yes, okay. So this is now the third. So we've now gone through this twice, um, you know, through these, these rotations of, of clusters uh, with the conferences. Um, and, you know... I think we're now at the point where before it was, well, I've never seen these teams play before. I don't know what to expect. You know, now we're looking at it, and I think in some cases it's, well, these teams haven't played in a couple of years. I, I almost feel like, you know, you look at this, and there maybe isn't a team that I, I point to and I say that's the favorite this year. No. It, well, and, 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 you know, just to be fair and admit this right off the bat, there's been teams that we've said that about in the years past where we've, come up woefully incorrect right i think we had a lot of uh, a lot of faith in central last year and they had that they, is they, very true they didn't yeah. do as well as we thought they might um so some, some might say we slept on bedford a little bit at the uh, beginning I, of last I, year too i think probably a lot specifically of bedford, bedford yeah yeah <laughs> would say that uh, um and when it kind of the year before but that one i mean that one was really 
It was um, tough to predict. Yeah, that yeah. one was that one. I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, but yeah, no, but that um, was a that was a harder yeah, one to predict. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I mean, if you think about what you just said, which is you know, hey, the, the, there's no clear favorite. I mean, I think the phenomenon, at least from what I understand about the rosters of these teams, and it, obviously I'm not intimately familiar with them, but I think a lot of the teams that were that were powerhouses the last couple of years are experiencing a lot of turnover. Some of them even have coaching changes to contend with, uh, with the turnover. And then some of the other teams that have been weaker teams um, are bringing back a lot of players on both sides of the ball, it would seem, from what I've been able to gather. So that has a leveling effect. And like I said, then there's coaching changes. And then just the matchups with the, the you know, who, which conference is playing who brings some question marks. So, yeah, it's not a cop-out to just say, yeah, we don't know what the heck's going <laughs> to happen this year. But, but it does seem like it's more of a – of a level set year where you would have a hard time looking at what's coming back um, from last year. Uh, you know, one of the several successful teams, I should say, hey, they've got the most coming back. They probably are most geared to go on a run. I don't think that you have that this year in the division. I think so. My, the team that, that I think has maybe been talked to, at least to me, about the most um, in terms of, I don't want to say being a favorite, but, you know, being a team that you pretty much well I, I shouldn't say that there's two teams I think really that I've heard a lot about as being teams that everyone kind of expects to see in the playoffs both of those teams being in the South Conference with Londonderry and Salem yeah you know both teams uh, playoff teams from a year ago both lost to Pinkerton in the in the in the playoffs a year ago Londonderry in the quarterfinals and what was in hindsight just felt like an epic kind of game because of the conditions with all the mud and the yeah the, you know, the, the driving the, yes, rain in the at the halftime crazy kind of weather yeah. um, and then uh, Salem in the in the semifinals for the, the second year in a row um, you know both those teams you know lost pretty good seniors in London Dairy you look at you know Evan Cormier is no longer there their starting yeah. quarterback Salem also without the starting quarterback and and, and uh, Poulin they also lose uh, Don Pacey, Don Pacey who, yep. who actually missed most of last year with some injuries. Um, you know, Will Michaud, I believe, is gone. Yep. Um, you know, but they both returned some very good players. Um, for Salem, Josh Maroon's coming back from his knee injury. Um, it probably take him a couple of couple of weeks to get into gear, I would imagine. But I mean, he's a kid that I mean, I, I don't think uh, Rob Pike has any question about whether that's going to be a guy he can count on you know, throughout the season. Right. Uh, no, that's why that injury that I, I believe was sustained in the, in the Jamboree, in the Jamboree was yeah. one that we talked about after having been at the Jamboree because that, that was a player that we had sort of earmarked going into his junior year as one of the players to watch, right. not just for Salem, yeah. but yeah. for Division One, and then get banged up in the, in the Jamboree. And it's like, wow, what's going to happen to Salem now? Well, they were excellent all year long. I mean, a lot of those names you just listed were kids that stepped, stepped up during up, the yep. year or yeah. ended up moving positions. Salem has has got a rhythm going where they've been able to fill with that next man up mentality. And so, yes, that would leave you with the impression that, uh, you know, with with Maroon coming back, I think they've got a lot coming back up front, if I'm not mistaken, which is really the heart and soul of what they do on O&D. Um, you would have to think about them as having an edge, maybe not a clear cut favorite, but certainly an edge um, in terms of uh, their ability to you know, sort of uh, have the experience and, and uh, 
the experience edge, I guess I should. You say. know, and a, a guy that uh, a couple guys that get, that you know were were among that group. I think that got banged up at certain times. Brandon Wall, uh, Riley Mulvey, uh, both returning in the backfield for them too. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Ference has been a guy I think whose name has been out there for a couple of years. I would imagine you know he's going to step up on the outside uh, on offense and defense. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of those linemen, uh, Bo Dylan, uh, Owen Gormley, uh, Josh Azoria, I believe that's how you say that. Yeah. Apologies if it's not. No. Um, you know, some senior linemen that I'm sure, um, you know, they're, they're all probably itching to, to really get back out there. I mean, both both teams that we've mentioned so far, Londonderry and Salem, you know, they're, they're looking probably, you know, they probably have that Pinkerton game circled on the calendar every single year. And I got to imagine this year it's in double you know, double circled, yeah. you know, you so thick you rip through the calendar and, and, and mess up the next month. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I imagine they're all have all had some great off seasons, you know, and, and you, yeah, you talked about, or, um, you know, Londonderry, uh, I should say, um, maybe one of the best running backs in the state coming back and, and Jeffrey Wiedenfeld, who, um, you know, looks like he's probably put on a little bit of muscle. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he claimed, you know, when I talked to him last week, you know, he claims that he's gotten a little bit better with his speed. I know he hasn't ha- really had that like last year, um, the last couple of years, but, um, he's really worked on that. He's uh, slippery, Coach though. Coach Lozon is uh, he, he's uh, kind of in a, a wait and see mode with that. Was was the way he sounded? Was hell? Oh, he claims he's got yeah he's got this speed, but um, yeah he's he's a, a a guy that makes people miss, and he's a tough runner. Yeah. Um, you know he's not the biggest kid, but he runs really hard, and and, and he's a ki- kind of kid that can put Londonderry on his back if they if they need it, but you know they might not need it. Yeah, well, and especially, though, when you think about Londonderry traditionally has been a very balanced sort of offense under, the under Coach Yeah, Lozon. despite they being in a, a spread team. Yeah, 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 I mean, they run the ball really well, but they have the ability to throw it. And, um, you know, they lost um, they lost their senior quarterback from last year, who's – he was a fantastic player. His name is now escaping. Uh, Cormier. Cormier, Cormier yeah. thank you, Evan. And uh, – so you don't I don't know anything about what they have coming in behind Cormier. I think um, Jake McEachern is the guy that's going to be starting for them. I don't know too much about him. I don't know how much playing time he got last year. Um, but they do return um, you know a couple other skill guys and a couple other linemen that you know yeah. can certainly help out in that, you know, helping a break in a new quarterback. Right. But the good news is if they have to lean on the running game, they've 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 got him to run with you know so if they have to break in a new quarterback and you know you've got one of the better running backs in division one lined up back there at least you know that hey we can rely on this guy we can feed him a little bit until the the passing game comes along and that's that's uh that's a nice thing to have back there you know and then the the other team that we mentioned of beating both of um both those teams in the playoffs and getting to the final for the second year in a row um pinkerton um you know they lost a ton um you know specifically when you look at uh, no more Gennaro Mara, no more Gannon Fast, no more Nick Lombard. Um, you know, those are three kids that I'm sure any coach in the state would have taken and, you know, to put in their backfield. Yeah. Um, three guys that, you know, ran the ball really hard, played, I th- I'm pretty sure all three both also played defense, were very good defensive players. Um, Wasn't Gojan, a, a, was he a three-year he was starter? He was a three-year a starter QB, at quarterback, so yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, placing him, they lose um, – Robbie Fahey along the offensive line, Alan Galt, offense and defensive yeah. lines, two linemen that played in the uh, Chad game. So, I mean, this is, you know, those are some big holes that they have to fill. But, I mean, if there's any team in the state that's going to fill them, 
Yeah, I mean, Pinkerton's 25 to 30 year legacy has been they always turn over a ton of guys and they always backfill with a ton of good guys because they're well coached and they got numbers and they know how to play football in Derry. So it's like what we always say. You can never count Pinkerton out. But when you look purely at the turnover and the names and the accomplishments of some of those kids, right, like whether they were on the Chad team or whether they were on the Shrine Bowl team or what have you, you say, wow, how can they reload? But, you know, if you're uh, Salem or Londonderry, the two teams we just highlighted earlier, those are ancient rivalries. Mm, right. Everybody knows what I just said about Pinkerton, which is you're not going to you're not going to overlook them just because, quote unquote, they turned over some good players because, you know, there's a crop of dudes that's been in the weight room, that's well coached, that's <laughs> that, that understand that system that are going to backfill and they're going to be in good position to 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 continue to challenge those two teams so you know that londonderry and salem aren't feeling like they have a leg up right More to oh your yeah point, yeah they've got that thing i mean they, they probably still despite despite maybe having you know more i guess what we would say known returning players they're probably still look at themselves as underdogs yeah. against you know against the pinkerton you know and then the other team in the in the conference that i would um that you know probably could have been a playoff team had things broken a little bit differently was windham yes. um and windham i guess is kind of a you know, a bit of a question mark um, for me this year just because, you know, with the coaching change, you've got, um, you know, Bill Raycraft stepping down um, after I, I'm drawing a blank on how many years it was. But it's got to – it was over over 10, over 10 years that he had been the head coach and the AD there. Yep. Um, you know, had had overseen a program that had gone, I think, from Division five, old Division 5, five yep. to 4 to 2 and then last year to 1. And, you know, to be quite honest, was a break here or there from being a playoff team, yeah. um, believe it or not. I mean, they had a couple of upsets, I think, They upset, right? they, you they know, they beat Pinkerton, they beat Salem. Yep. They, um, they nearly they beat Winnicott. They played won. a very tough game against them. I, was I think defending champ. Defending champs. I think, and, you know, you look at that game, if that game, I think, was later in the year, might have been a little different because Winnicott ends up getting banged up in that game. Wyndham, you know, they were with with the changes to practice rules last year. They were a team that clearly seemed affected by the fact that they'd had fewer practices together yeah. to that point in the year. So with a divisional change, that's bound to happen, right? Yeah. It's one thing if yeah. you're practicing fewer times and you, but you know what your opponents are bringing to the table. No matter how much film you, and we talked about that last year. No matter how much film you've gotten on these other guys that you're when you change the, it's different than being on the sideline and coaching against that other team for the first time live and so you're not gonna i mean i think they did tremendous overcoming what they they did you know the 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 coaching change though is is um probably not as uh much of an impact as some of these other programs might be experiencing because jack byrne has been there right he's been not mistaken since day one or virtually day one with with bill raycraft when he was building that team and he was always kind of a top assistant yeah and um I think he resonates a lot with those kids. I think he understands that culture. He's in the building. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a phys ed wellness guy. Uh, he coaches wrestling, or at least he did at one point in his career. So, I mean, he's very ingrained in the Wyndham athletic drill. And I think him and, uh, and Bill Raycraft kind of got along well and, and shared similar philosophies. So my guess is you're probably not going to see a lot different from Wyndham with Jack taking over, Coach Byrne. Uh, my guess is they're probably going to pick up right where they left off. And, um, I mean, it'll be a little different because you're hearing a different yeah. voice oh, yeah. commanding and things. But I think those 
he was the DC. Yeah. So he he ran the defense. So they're used to having him, seeing him with some level of authority. Um, and I think he had a lot of leeway that Coach Raycraft gave him. So I think I, I, I think they're probably the least affected by the coaching changes as what other teams might be. One one kid, one Wyndham kid, I do want to mention. Um, you know, who probably doesn't get a lot of press because I, they've got him listed as a tight end this year. Uh, he's been a lineman in the past. Uh, Bobby DeSico, who um, actually played lacrosse this past spring for Wyndham for the first time, um, is a kid who, you know, had some friends on the on the lacrosse team that also played football. Talked him into coming out, and because they didn't have a goalie last year, ends up never playing lacrosse before. You know, playing as their starting goalie, not and and in all fairness to him, not because he was a lights out goaltender, yeah, but because he was a big kid and was willing to to take the punishment, right. And uh, I'll tell you, I saw them I saw them scrimmage early in the year. I saw them play their first game against Portsmouth. And then I saw their last game of the year in the playoffs against Goffstown, and that kid worked himself into what I thought was a very a good, legit, role. A le- legit. You know, if he decides to continue with this, you know, this year as a senior, um, you know, I, I think he's got a probably a good chance of being a pretty good goalie, and and that's more to speak to the kind of maybe worth ethic that a lot of these Wyndham kids, I think, yeah. some of these Wyndham kids have, um, you know, and just was I thought it was one of the one of the better things I think I've seen in the last couple of years just in terms of a, a character story. Yeah. Well, that's good, too, because, you know, you can overlook the importance of a tight end. But in that system that they run where they're they're sort of a, uh, a double wing type team, they run the ball a lot, but they, they also focus a lot on play action passing, vertical play action passing. And those tight ends have always been essential to their success because it kind of forces defenses to lay off a little bit and play honest. Um, if they've got a guy that can sling the ball, then it's going to be dangerous. And he's a linebacker on defense, and they've had some really, really good linebackers over the years. Oh, every so year they have yeah. that one kid. Yeah. <laughs> every uh, year they have the, the Jolliker or the whoever uh, that they uh, put in Pizz- the middle. Pizzotti was yeah, the one for a couple Pizzotti, years. They yeah, they always have that kid. Um, you know, and then the fifth team in the, in the conference um, kind of gets overlooked because they haven't had as much success the last couple of years. Timberlane. Um, you know, they're going to have, um, I think, some big holes to fill. They, of course, lose Dan Hayes, who is probably one of the top quarterbacks in the state the last few years. Yep. Um, he graduated this past year. Um, you know, looking at replacing him with a kid named Jared Morrison, who's going to be a senior, um, you know, and I think who had a lot of time to kind of watch what Hayes did and learn from him. And, yep. and probably know. got a little trigger time last year. I don't, yeah. I don't remember seeing his name, but my guess is he probably got in some games and – got some experience so he won't be cold cranking um so of course like we said the south this year crosses over with the north uh north conference for their their schedule um which sets up what is really would have been an interesting game even if the coaches had stayed uh week one but that week one is going to be Wyndham at bedford uh with bedford of course the defending champs um losing a lot of talented seniors and also head coach Derek Stank. Yep. Um, you know, he's out, uh, I believe, moved to California to st- and started coaching you a team out there. Did indeed. Uh, you might have heard that story before uh, from yeah. a Bedford football coach. <laughs> from another former uh, Bedford yeah. coach, right. Um, Seems to be a thing. If Zach Matthews I will in five years <laughs> moves out to California to coach a team, some, then I'm going to start having some questions. Yeah, that's, of course, Zach, Zach Matthews coming down from Kearsarge, yep. uh, where he was the football and lacrosse coach up there. We'll just be coaching football in Bedford. 
Um, and I think, you know, before you even get to what they lost uh, from a year ago, I think my first question is what's the transition going to be like from going to coaching at Kearsarge to coaching at Bedford? Yeah. You know, whether that's a fair question or not, I don't know, but it just, it's one that's, it just pops out to me. I mean, because just the difference in, you know, um, enrollment, team size, you got more kids fighting for probably yeah. the same, you know, the same amount of positions. I mean, even just the, in, the infrastructure, right? Like, so Bedford is so fueled by their youth and junior high programs and the, and the integration that they have there and the success. Whereas, you know, with Kearsarge, that's sort of a regional model in terms of like the, the, the youth programs that would feed the school and stuff. So it's, it's a very different thing, but you know, I don't know coach Matthews too well. I, 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 uh, never had a chance to coach against him. He was on the opposite. He was in the opposite conference. They were a North Conference team when they were right. a Division yeah, in two, two team. Yep. When I was at Sauhegan, but um, they had some pretty good teams when I was at Sauhegan. I know last year they probably weren't they weren't as good as they traditionally are. But I always looked at him as a as a good coach, a capable guy. Um, I think the fact that they f- they are going to be able to, you know, he he's going to be in a position in the building, uh, in a teaching that's, role. Yeah, I think big. is really important because that's been. You know, Bedford had that with Hines and Stank. So, uh, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think that I'm excited for him, though. I, 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 I hope he does well. I mean, that's a good program. And, I, you know, again, I always enjoyed my inter- my brief interactions with him at an all-state meeting or whatever it might have been where I would run into him. And I think Bedford made a good choice there. I was kind of worried that they might go out of state or do something interesting otherwise. But I, 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 think, I think he was a good fit for that program. He does have a... Um, an energetic style, which if you think about Stank and you and think about Hines, I mean, I mean those guys had a yeah, lot of energy, yeah. that, and I think that was great for the so kids in that community. They so were nonstop kind of guys. Yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. Wondered sometimes how those guys don't uh, just you know keel over yeah. at four thirty <laughs> <laughs> on a Tuesday, yeah. right? <laughs> um, of course, I mean, you look though. I guess the next big thing is coming off that champ- undefeated championship last year. You know, you look at a team that's losing. Ryan Toscano, yeah. uh, Gatorade Player of the Year, great two-way player for them. Thomas Morgan, uh, quarterback, one of the starter for about the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, Harrison Lagulian, who was a, you know, I'm talking about big tight ends, just a massive tight end that yeah. they use sometimes in the backfield. Um, Did he play linebacker? He played for them linebacker too? for them. Yeah, he was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, Lucen Mampini, who I believe was a three-year varsity starter, yeah. at, 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 uh, in the slot and on, on defense. Um, you know, just one of the fastest kids I think in the state uh, and that doesn't even get into the you know the linemen who yeah you know uh, Garen who yeah. played in the in the um, Shrine Bowl who's yeah. all was a senior obviously um, uh, Twight who was a you know was a, a good uh, lineman a two-way lineman for them yeah, um, yeah what so story does that team mirror Pinkerton right I mean yeah. aside both, from the coaching both change, of the two right? yeah both champions both championship teams yeah. Ton of turnover, but also right. what was the other comment? Well, the, the two teams in the championship games, yeah, tons of turnover. Right, right. But uh, who? But you know, teams but they always we, reload. Yeah, yeah. They always reload. So that's the other thing, right? Is that you know you can look on paper at the turnover and say, eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, kind of interesting to see. But obviously, Pinkerton has a longer history than Bedford. But Bedford, um, in the last seven or eight years, at least, has had that history of yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to turn over a lot of talented seniors, but. 
you know, by the time the Jamboree's over, we're always like, whoa, who the heck was that kid? And who, who brought that <laughs> right. Who brought yeah. that kick return back for 90 well, I mean, yards? Was, you, who was that? You that know, was kind of sudden, what we were saying last I feel like we were saying last year. Exactly. And then, you know, by the end of the Jamboree, yeah, we had, our, we had all our questions. Well, if not by the end of the Jamboree, by the end of week one when they, you know, steamrolled Nashua North, yeah. they, you know, they, we had all our questions answered about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, got those dudes, you know. You know, the other team that's kind of been right there with them, you know, over the last – I don't know, I'd say four or five years, uh, has been Goffstown yep. um, in that North Conference. Um, you know, they've made the playoffs now, I want I believe it's four years in a row. Good, um, consistent, yeah. consistent success in Goffstown. You know, uh, this year, though, I think it might be a little bit more of a challenge for them. Um, you know, of course, they lost um, you know, starting quarterback and Charlie Keith. Uh, yep. I got hurt at the, the en- end of the year and, and, and missed some time. He struggled throughout the season a I little think, a little bit at times yeah, yeah yeah with yeah right you're right with some nagging you injuries. got banged up in the north game you got banged up in the jamboree so um lost a couple of their top running backs too i believe um yeah josh juno uh, uh jake stanett or excuse me jack stanett both yeah. of them graduated um you know and and i know when i've talked to to coach off a little bit you know, he's got a little bit of a younger group. You know, he's, I think think it's the, the you know sophomores and some of the juniors he's looking at to kind of step up and really fill some roles this year. Kind of like maybe a little bit like that group um, group of seniors that won their championship in 2015. You know, they were close to being a playoff team as juniors in 2014. 2013, they gave some teams uh, you know a run, but ultimately, I think I think they won three games that year. Um, you know, came up short of the playoffs, and that was their first year. And in that D1 was their first too, year, first right? year yeah. in D one, yeah. So, so that group as sophomores, you know, maybe that's a little bit of this year too. Is they yeah. just work a little, you know. Yeah, I mean, Gosstown is one of the smallest of the of the D one schools, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I know Winnicott's small, and and but and BG obviously is small. Winnicott, Wyndham, BG, and Portsmouth, I think, are the ones that are smaller. Yeah. Yeah. But so you know, it's it's harder to sustain the success because I'm sure Gosstown every year is in sort of that that numbers game and how much are you turning over versus how much are you backfilling and right. yeah, you know they only have two, three, four guys back on each side of the ball. But I I I I laugh at Coach Huft to to say oh we're not going to be very good because you know they they find a way and that's the ultimate compliment to those guys the players there work hard and the coaches are really good and they find a way to be competitive every year i mean you look back at last year they opened against merrimack who i don't think anybody was thinking was going to be a great team but everybody was kind of like oh, it'll be interesting to see merrimack and merrimack obliterated them if i'm not mistaken but like but Goffstown ended up doing some damage were, by mid-season i want to say now that i'm thinking yeah you mentioned that i think they started the year oh and three i think they played yeah. they played merrimack north and bedford in their first three games and it, and that would um, I think that's only like the f- fourth time that that a team in D one since this since twenty thirteen yeah the started team in D one started zero three and made yeah. yeah made the playoffs I mean yeah. they I think they ran the, the table the rest and of the way and I mean they lost to Bedford in the playoffs and okay so so did everybody else right <laughs> so so I mean you know uh, yeah so no question on paper I think it looks like Gosstown could could be in a rebuilding mode but I never I never count them out just because I I do think they have a really tough tough nose culture there and i think that uh, coach hoft and his guys do a really good job of just they tailor each year's 
theme and scheme to what they've got. And they don't try to push those kids to do you know, more than what they're really capable of doing. I, I think they've got a good philosophy there, and it, and it helps them be the best that they can be each year. So I'm kind of excited to see what they come up with. I think uh, it'd be a nice story if they're only bringing back two to three guys, but they ended up having a good season right? regardless, yeah. you know. Um, you know, the team that, that um, you know, we kind of had all, all marked as a uh, surefire playoff team in Central. Yeah. Um, you know, hit a, a lot of bumps at the end of the road. Um, and they graduated, I think, a ton of kids. Yeah. Um, including Alex Hockham, starting quarterback for the last three years. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're, I think, going to be in a little bit of a rebuilding uh, situation there. Yeah. Concord, too. Um, I know that, you know, they graduated their quarterback and Zach Miles. Yeah. I'm uh, not too familiar with what else they've Both of those guys got coming were back. Chad yeah. guys, both if I'm not mistaken, um, right? I believe, yeah, they were. Yeah. They were. Both, uh, both were on the uh, the West All-Star team. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, so who knows with those two programs. Uh, and then you've also got Memorial that's, you know, has just been struggling the last couple of years. I don't. I believe it's been since 2014, 2015, since they've won a game. Um, really? You know, they do have a coach returning in, in Rob Sturgis for the second time, second year. Um, you know, that will hopefully create some continuity, I would imagine. I mean, you know, for, for you, how much of a difference did that make just year one to year two because everybody knew you? Yeah, oh, tremendous. I mean, besi- between just the, the uh, you know, the, the, the understanding of the kids, what the expectations are, and then having a little bit more understanding of, like, like you know, the terminology, even simple things like that that you don't think of when you're a fan, but, like, terminology or systems or just, like, how we practice – there's no good or bad about it. It's just different. And so, yes, the first year is always tough for a new coach, but you've got Coach Sturgis coming back for a second year. He's got, you know, seven or eight guys on each side of the ball that are returning as starters. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure that they've had that look recently. I mean, I think they've yeah, had a lot of seniors each year trying to be competitive, so, yeah. and they've turned over a lot. But they were young last year, and, and – um, you know, again, with the turnover that Central and Concord are, and Goffstown are experiencing, and those are their conference rivals, you could give Memorial a 50-50 on any one of those games. And uh, you know, they have played Central close tough. a couple yeah. times. You know, a couple times over the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are, again, the uh, the North and South conferences, which will be in one cluster this year. And then on the other side, you've got the East and West. Um, actually, let's start with the West. One where I mean, we're in Nashua. Yeah, those three of the schools there play in Nashua. So uh, let's let's start with those um, looking at, um, you know, Nashua North, uh, one of the playoff teams from last year from out of the South Conference. Um, and I think, you know, they they lost some pretty good kids, not a huge senior class, um, you know, but some pretty good kids from a year ago. Um, thinking like Austin Ouellette, Brian Monotony, um, so, you know, some pretty big linemen. Oh, the yeah, the, the line was pretty good. Um, I'm I'm blanking on some of the other names, um, but I think but by when you f- when you you know you s- you talk about National North, you start and you end with Curtis Harris. Yeah. They lost all those guys, but number twenty one is back. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good. Last time I saw him play, so yeah, yeah. yeah so from, I mean that whole yeah. that whole team is going to be built around him. From what I've heard from some coaches that saw him, you know, this summer. Um, yeah, he's a little bit better than he was a year yeah. ago. Well, that uh, jump from sophomore to junior year is always the biggest, in my opinion. And uh, he was a premier player in the state last year as a, as as a, sophomore. As a sophomore, right? And he, yep. and he played running back. He 
played quarterback at the end of the season. I think he caught the ball a fair amount. Uh, you know, at times when he was in the when he was in the backfield, yeah, yep. yeah. So right as ad running back, I should say. He's he's one of the most talented guys we've seen come through here for a while. You know, I think the question for the Titans will be, what can they build around him? Because like we were talking about before we got started, I mean, if I'm if I'm opening with Nashua North, everything on defense is going to be geared towards how do we stop Curtis Harris? And if that's all you've got, yeah, he's still going to do some damage, but it's going to be tough. They've got to be able to complement him with something else. And so um, so I think that's, that'll be the key for North. Um. The other team uh, to kinda that might that's going to be at the top of the South standings, you would have to expect um, the team that knocked North out of the playoffs last year, uh, Merrimack. Um, another team lost some really good seniors. Yeah, in a very um, similar situation to yeah, North, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, returns some pretty good kids, though, um, you know, right at the top. I think the two, the two big ones for me are, are, are the offensive linemen, uh, Cole Camberlin and, and Eric Griffin. Yep. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to chat with those guys. I'll be doing – story on them later this week yeah um two of the nicest guys um and just they're huge yeah <laughs> yeah they you know not and not not in your traditional no, lineman kind of sense right they're just big big dudes yeah um well then you've got dyer right who is also mammoth yep. but he's more of a skill position guy right, right. so he's kind of like a d end tight end, tight end yeah. slash slot type guy that they used in the backfield a little bit last year in short yardage too and i think you would ask any coach they'd say he's got to watch i think he's gotten some looks from unh uh even as a junior right and then i mean with that size you, how do you know yeah, yeah right yeah. you can't coach the size but he's also um from what i understand like just a solid solid character guy does yeah. anything that they ask him to do and then you know, for the, the offensive system that they run, it's a pretty complicated system. They do a lot of RPO, and they're obviously spread. So to bring um, Dowling back James Dowling, for a second yeah, year yeah. um, is also huge for them because you've got a guy now that, you know, they, were, they sort of had the who's going to be the quarterback thing going on at the beginning of the year. But, you know, he played really well towards the end of the year. And if, he can, if he's made as much improvement as you would hope, uh, uh, returning quarterback to make, yeah, they're going to be dangerous, and they've they've got uh, uh, Tristan Wood coming back Devin as well. Devin oh, Devin Wood. Tristan yeah. was the yeah, guy the that graduated. One, yeah, he was a, um, yeah. So Devin Wood, and he was a, a a great player on D for them last year. Yeah, I, I would imagine he'd get a pretty expanded role. Yep. on offense, probably the 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 saddest thing for Merrimack, though. I'm sure they're they're unhappy about this. There's no more Eichmanns coming through. Right, right. It's, right. It's done with the Eichmanns. Yeah. unfortunately, the, um, the Ben and, and Joe. Being two very good players for them, I saw, you know, this week that Joe is possibly getting time, you know, playing on special teams at UNH, UNH this year yep. as a red shirt, uh, which is that's pretty good. Yeah, um, pretty good for him. Um, the other team in the, um, you know, th th this I think this West Conference is going to be an interesting one because I think there's a little bit more talent here than maybe people expect. Yes. Um, you know, two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that I think could potentially if things go the right way break out nashua south being one of them um you know they they were you know a team last year that i think just struggled with inexperience i mean they lost you know a, a lot of seniors who played a lot of games you know from sophomore year on yeah for them last year or excuse me the year before you know and then the kids that were coming in just didn't have that experience you had i think the first time in 
I don't know, maybe going back to 2004, 2005, that they went into the year without a starting quarterback. They had no, they had no quarterback. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I to think about that. that at a high school. I mean, at the high school right. level, to have that much consistency, you know, you had what Billy Ferreter, um Oh, Ke- uh, Farkas. I'm forgetting his first name. Yeah. With a K. God. Uh, anyways, I, yeah, um, I know. you know Trevor Knight, Trevor Knight, him obviously, yep. um, Sean Holland. So I mean, they, yeah. you know, some very good quarterback play over the years there, um, and that system requires that, it, kid, yeah, right. Yes. I mean, they really, I mean, it's a good system regardless, but you need the quarterback to be to take it to the next level. Yeah, but the good, the good f- thing for South is that they have, you know, not only they had Dante Young at starter last year, did a nice job for them, a, a year of experience. He went down for a couple games, and the good thing was is that uh, their backup, um, Chris Keefe, was able to step in. He'd been playing in the in the uh, in the slot, I believe. Stepped in, was able to play uh, quarterback for them a little bit. So you know they they have options if if something happens to Young, they can go to to Keefe yeah. or maybe rotate them both in and out of there. Even just the competition between those guys hopefully made them both better in the yeah. offseason. Um, you know, and then they have a kid at tight end and linebacker, Kyle O'Connor, who is just a, a very big human being who um, really w- sounds like worked himself into shape to, to kind of, you know, has always been a good blocker, but maybe paid a little more focus on the receiving aspect yeah. of being a tight end. Uh, looking for a big year out of him. Defensively, they'll have to contend with no more Jalen Pacheco. Yeah, that's a ba- big loss. For yeah, them. I mean he was a he was a premier, uh, you know, offensive and defensive player. But I always liked him better on offense. I just thought he had more of that mentality. And he, he was brought a pretty, lot. Um, you know, pretty pretty key cog for them too. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of led that defense uh, from the linebacker position. Yeah. You know, another team that that could um, you know could maybe be able, uh, do some things just because they have a year of experience under their belt too. Um, Bishop Girton. You know, they started a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomores last year. Uh, of course, they lost um, Austin Hisco to prep school. Uh, Joey De Silva opted to go back to Wyndham. Yeah. Um, you know, so that Hayden Moses' uh, quarterback job is is his. I, from what I've talked to them, he's, um, you know, he spent more time. I, I think he was the first guy in BG history that recorded 100% in weight room attendance hmm. um, during the offseason. Good was for there, him. You know, I think... Um, so there's automatically a guy I'm going to root for. <laughs> no, no joke, right? I yeah, mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, Good yeah. for him. Um, you know, a guy who's just wanted to be a quarterback and play football for a long, long time. Um, you know, they've got some good receivers coming back. Brendan Callahan, uh, Joey Lupo, who might be, you know, along with... Um, oh, geez, who we were just talking about, but... Uh, Lupo might be one of the fastest kids in the state. One yeah, of the most I was going to say yeah. they've got some speed at the at the yeah. outside. It's more, I think, um, depth. It's just I, again with them. You know, um, Coach Trishiani was saying the, to me the other day. You know, they have about the same number of kids this year as they did last year, which sounds good. But he was kind of hoping that yeah, they know, would have increased being the year number. two. The number would have gone up a little yeah. bit. So. Yeah, the depth looks like it could be uh, could potentially be an issue for them again. Yeah, uh, and then the the last team in the the conference, Keen. Keen. Um, you were saying to me earlier has a new head coach. I actually kind of forgot. Yeah, so so that. Linwood Patnode, who used to be the head coach at Monadnock, um, is known for I would say extremely aggressive defense, very very tough, hard nosed offense. Right, so they'll line up. I mean, th- they'll spread the ball out a little bit, but what they want to do is line up double tight with three running backs and just 
grind your face into the ground. Um, and and he was a. I, I always enjoyed playing against them. They were, I would say, pound for pound, one of the toughest teams. I, I, I love how you say that. You just grind your face into the ground. Grind. I loved. I loved playing it. <laughs> we, I like that kind of game, man. You know, um, you know that's where you got to say, hey, did we have a good weight room? Did we? Are our kids? You know, resilient, and um, so I think he's going to do a really good job for Keen. It will be a different look for them, but the other thing that it does for that um, that is it the West, yeah, for that West yeah, conference West, is yeah. almost all of those uh, teams there were were sort of four wide spread oh, type spread teams, yep. and so Keen will be a contrarian that might be a little difficult for those defenses to handle because they're going to be, at least if he, if he follows the template that he had when he was at Monadnock, they're going to be very heavy in terms of personnel and, uh, and their, and, and their balance between run pass. And that can be, you know, despite your personnel, that can be an, an advantage because if the defenses aren't used to getting punched in the face, you know, 55, 65 times a game, uh, that's that's hard. It's harder to simulate in practice. It's harder to uh, scheme against if you're not used to it. If you have lighter personnel on the field, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what what they are. You know what what they have to bring to the table. It might take a year or two for him to get his program in place and and uh, have the kids with the mentality to do that sort of thing. But he did it pretty quick when he took over Monadnock back in whatever it was, two thousand eight or nine. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know that that was oh, a probably, yeah that long ago yeah it was a shift and 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 they immediately were good under his tutelage so um so that's a that's an extra card on the table there that you don't want to overlook i think Uh, of course the um west conference crossing over with the east conference Uh, again was this was the um the matchup the first time around you know back in 2013 when when the uh you know nhia changed the divisions um so again we've got some teams meeting for you know, only the second time, I think. Um, but, you know, one of the teams that's going to be, you know, again, have a little bit of a different look to it. Um, you know, last year's, or, or excuse me, the champion from two years ago uh, and a playoff team from last year, Winnicunit, yep. uh, for the first time in a quite a while. Uh, Ron Offonts, not the head coach there. Ryan Francoeur takes over his first year. But, again, like like you talked about with Jack Byrne. Jack Byrne and Wyndham, yep. a guy who's been in the system stepping in and – it's from what it sounds like you know keeping a lot of the same um i think he's gonna be very consistent yeah yeah Yeah. they turn over a lot of kids right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i think what three returning starters maybe on both sides or total yeah one on on one side two on the other i'm not sure which new coach not a lot of returning starters i've i've played that uh i've played that game before but but again because he's from inside he knows those kids. They know him. I think I think he doesn't have as much of a disadvantage as you might think. Um, tough to count them out, but that, that that's a big change. That's a it's a hard punch to take when you're turning over, you know, 19 starters and a, and a head coach. Right. Um, you know, so they were the only team that that made the playoffs out of the East Conference last year, which means that um, Exeter didn't yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah. Which I. Th- think if i remember if i'm remembering correctly that's now makes it so that there has been there are no teams in the division that have made the playoffs every single year of this new format exeter yeah. i think had been the only team um you know and and i i believe that's the first non-playoff season for them since they first moved up to d1 in 2010 yeah you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than having <laughs> exeter not make <laughs> the playoffs right, right. so so that's a bit so of an anomaly yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and and 
again with the the potential crossover you know with the crossover this year there's potential for them to certainly bounce back um you know you just know that they're going to be again like pinkerton like bedford they're going to reload they're going to be a solid program coming out with you know coach bill ball who you know his uh, again it was what you can say has forgotten more about yeah. uh, football in the last five minutes. Than, One of the than, best yeah. coached football teams in New England, let alone yeah. New Hampshire. I mean, just phenomenal. Uh, you know, and then I think what is going to be another interesting team to watch um, out of that conference is um, is Dover, yeah. which has uh, another team with um, had a coaching change last year with um, Ken Osmond stepping down after a, you know a long time coaching there. Uh, Eric Kumba, who was on the staff for the last couple of years. Um, comes in, of course. He, the former coach at St. Thomas, yep. led them to a couple championships, including uh, one in D two, uh, I believe, in 2016. Yeah, if they I remember correctly. Them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they are a team that lost a lot of seniors, though. Again, another team that graduated a, a very big senior class. Yep. Um, but you know, still one that I mean, you got to think that there's going to be a little bit. Not that to say that there wasn't enthusiasm there before, but with the you know, a new coach who's had some success that, you know, I believe he's pretty well liked by the players. You know, there's going to be a little bit of excitement there to um, to kind of turn the page and see what the next chapter is. Yeah, I mean, Kuma's a good coach, obviously, right? The, the success that he had at St. Thomas. But, you know, it's a great mix because he's been with the program long enough where he knows the kids. And I actually think his systems, uh, offensive and defensive, very, very similar to what Ken Osborne was running, so it's not going to be a huge changeover for the kids, but yeah, there'll be a little bit of a of a freshness that yeah. I think will work to their advantage. And then another team, um, you know, that again, like Memorial, we were talking about a team that struggled uh, over the last few years. Spalding, they go into the year. Uh, Kevin Herbert with his in his second season, uh, again another big thing in terms of transition and 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 just being used to a voice and and a system and 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 those kids i'm sure uh it sounds like they've got a lot of kids returning yeah um and it's got to be pretty good to to kind of hit the ground running i would imagine yeah i think so i i again i wouldn't want to rule them out i mean you have a tough season you end on a win your only win of the season but you end on that win that propels you into hopefully a productive off season you bring nine guys back on each side of the ball. Hopefully it's not the same nine guys, by the way. <laughs> Hopefully it's, <laughs> that, yeah. it's a mix of guys, right? So they have some depth there. And uh, they open against Merrimack. Um, at, I believe at home. At, at Spalding, yeah, right. So yeah. that'll be an interesting test. But, uh, yeah, you've got to hope with all those returning players and the springboard of, of winning that last game and just sort of getting the monkey off your back that they're going to be more competitive this year and be in a good position to make a little run. Uh, and the final team, you know, in the conference, Portsmouth, I don't, you know, it's been a couple years since they've been in the playoffs. Uh, I know they struggled a little bit last year. Don't know too much about them, what they've got coming back. Um, you know, don't know if you've heard too much about them. I haven't. And I, I would say they're one of the bigger mysteries, to me anyway, in, in Division One. I. I haven't I haven't really heard much out of there about them. I probably ought to do some scouring of the local papers to see if they've done a preview. But, uh, you know, one thing is, you know, they're well coached. They usually have a pretty good athletic mix they've got the oyster river kids now that are sort of oh mixed right in yeah. there with yeah, them. That, right. that was the, the first co-op year this year, year. yeah yeah so or second year yeah yeah so you don't know now that it's the second year of that maybe there's some more lifeblood coming from the oyster river side of things that will you know guys trying out for the first time he, some athletes you know unh coaches that live in durham that have some yeah. kids that are now going over to <laughs> play football in portsmouth no. right no any, uh, I don't know, any other thoughts before we, uh, I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to do any predictions like in terms of playoffs and all that Yo, this week because of, yeah because yeah. it's yeah it's still a little early so you will get back on that um, the first you know week one we'll 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 wrap up week one with our uh, or I shouldn't say week one but but going into week one yeah after uh, you've seen the jamborees after you've seen the jam so if you were if you were coming here today hoping for predictions for division one i'm disappointing you we're copping out yeah i'm sorry sorry. (laughs) it's not gonna do it yeah it's the first week i hope you can hope you can forgive us and 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 cut us a cut us a break um before we finish up this week though i'd like to take a moment to um Remember somebody who I think uh, maybe it's safe to say was the number one fan of uh, NHHighSchoolSports.com, uh, my dad. Uh, Ken Marcellino was a big sports fan, and the biggest reason I became one as well. Uh, he grew up in the Pittsburgh suburbs during a time when the Pirates were winning championships, the Steelers were not, and the Penguins barely existed. Uh, although he lived in Nashua probably longer than he did in Western PA, his love for his hometown teams never faded, and he passed that infatuation on down to me. Lucky me, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my sports writing career started in college working for the Pitt News, the student newspaper at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, around that time, the paper began posting stories on its website, which meant my dad could keep up with what I was doing from hundreds of miles away. Uh, and that continued with my first jobs at papers in Kentucky and Western PA until I moved back to New Hampshire to work at the Milford Cabinet in 2005. Uh, around that time, uh, my dad came up with an idea for a website covering local high school sports, and he figured that um, it could be a family thing. You know, he'd teach himself how to build a website. I could provide the content, while my younger brother, who was at in college at the time, so I don't know how he figured that would work, uh, would sell advertising for it. Uh, well, it never quite worked out that way. Uh, in January of 2010, this site became a reality. And uh, once again, my dad had a place to go to keep up with my work. Uh, every lunch break, he'd punch in the URL, see what I'd been up to, and if the site wasn't updated since the last time he looked, he let me know. Uh, my dad was just 60 years old when he died, unexpectedly, eight years ago today. Uh, high school practices had started about 10 days before that, and the last Sunday paper that he got, we had put together an entire photo page of pictures I'd taken from the first few days of practices. Uh, when I went over to my parents' house uh, and couldn't find that page in the paper, my mom told me my dad had taken it to work to hang up in his cubicle. Sure enough, when his co-workers uh, packed up his desk and someone brought the box of his things to our house, uh, there was that newspaper page folded up neatly on top. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to all of you uh, listening to us today for joining us for another season of New Hampshire High School football. Uh, he is Coach Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again. Thank you, uh, Joe. Looking forward to a, another great year. Uh, you can check in with us again next Wednesday. We'll take a look at Division Two and uh, some other news from around the preseason.